0: Welcome back everybody. Hope you guys are doing amazing. I have so much goodness to share with you guys today before we dive into our amazing guest expert interview. I want to share about my magical coffee creation because I'm so obsessed with it and it literally has become my new favorite thing to drink almost every day. So I've gone from literally drinking like two, maybe three coffees a week to pretty much drinking it on the daily now because I got my hands on some maple ghee and I've been adding it to my coffee and oh my God, it's so delicious. So for anybody out there that makes bulletproof coffees or you love adding some MCT oil or grass-fed butter or some coconut oil or even just regular ghee to your coffees, you're going to love using the maple ghee. So this is a ghee that comes from Lee's Ghee and it is so delicious. They make really delicious, amazing ghee and they have lots of different flavors as well. And I got my hands on the maple one. And so the other day when I was making my mushroom coffee, I thought, why not blend this together? And then I threw in a scoop of my collagen powder from Vital Proteins and just whipped it all up in the blender. And I have frothy deliciousness. So the maple just gives it like that little bit of sweetness. Plus you get the healthy fats from the ghee. And for those of you who might be sensitive to dairy, ghee can be a really great option because it's clarified butter. So a lot of the milk solids are removed. So it's easier on digestion for a lot of people than sometimes butter is. And it's just so delicious and it's great to cook with. You can put on your pancakes, all kinds of goodness. And so, yeah, I blended the maple ghee with my mushroom coffee and some collagen. And that has just been like my go-to drink every day now. So I've been drinking more coffee than I normally do. And so as a bonus, I'm so excited. I collaborated with Pure Feast. And if you guys are unfamiliar with Pure Feast, they are an online store selling some of the best products. I order literally everything from there and they do ship only within Canada and they get a lot of products that come from the US. So a lot of the Perfect Keto and the Vital Proteins and Primal Kitchen and Primal Palette, a lot of these companies that we don't normally have access to in Canada, you can get them through Pure Feast. So I've teamed up with Pure Feast and I'm so excited to offer you guys 10% 10% savings on their website. So, you've got a 10% coupon code that you can use. The code is holistic wellness, and you can enter that at checkout. So, you can use the code three times on orders over $75, plus, you get free shipping. So, I literally order all of my Primal Kitchen salad dressings, the mayo from Primal Kitchen. I order the Primal Palette spices and herbs that they have. I use Perfect Keto products. I use my Vital Proteins. I order the Four Sigmatic Mushroom Coffees from there. I get my Lee's Ghee from there. Also Lee's Tea. They have some amazing loose leaf teas. Some of you might have seen me share on my Insta stories a few weeks back about my pink tea, which is delicious. That's from Lee's Tea. The Hue chocolate bars. Oh my God, those are amazing. They carry Simple Mills, Sun Potion, which I order a lot of really great adaptogenic herbs. I mean, the list can literally go on and on and on. And I stock up pretty much monthly on a lot of these amazing products and they have some really great baking ingredients as well especially if you're AIP. So I order my autos cassava flour from there and my tiger nut flour if I'm making some baked goods. So literally, I'm not joking, I order it all. So you can save 10%. And again, it's coupon code Holistic Wellness. Just enter that at checkout. And you have three opportunities to use that discount code. So on your first three orders, you can use the code on orders over $75, plus you get free shipping. So for my Canadian friends, I know you are probably jumping up for joy. That's how excited I was when I discovered Pure Feast because I was ordering so many of these products from the States and then you pay shipping and the conversion is really costly as well. And so to be able to order it from Canada, plus get the free shipping, it's been a huge bonus. So I really love them. Go check them out at purefeast.com, P-U-R-E-F-E-A-S-T purefeast.com, and you will spend probably quite some time on their website checking out all the amazing companies and products they have. They have a lot of good stuff. So stock up, use your coupon code, and definitely get your hands on the mushroom coffee, your vital proteins collagen, and the maple ghee from Lee's Ghee. And I would love to see you whipping up that magical coffee creation. Share with me your posts over on Instagram. Make sure you tag me at Holistic Wellness Foodie and share your Pure Feast orders with me. I wanna see what you guys are ordering. I just ordered a whole bunch of stuff from there. So I will probably be getting my order this week and I'll dive onto Instagram. I'll do an Instagram live and share all the goodness that I ordered from there. All right. So outside of that, I'm so excited for that collaboration because I really love Pure Feast and I do get a lot of questions about where I'm ordering my vital proteins and where I order all of these products in general. And that's where I get them from. So definitely enjoy checking them out and happy shopping. Outside of that, if you're listening to this podcast episode in real time, it is July 10th. I can't believe that. Oh my God. Half the year is gone. It's crazy. So it's July 10th and that means my summer hormone detox program will be closing down registration in just a few days. So you can head on over to holisticwellness.ca forward slash summer detox if you want to join us on that delicious detox program and you can use the discount code SAVE10, S-A-V-E 1-0, so the number 10. You can use save ten. At checkout to save $10 off the summer detox program. And we're going to dive into our masterclass next week on July 18th. And I will be diving into all things hormones, thyroid health, estrogen dominance, detoxing estrogen, and how you support detoxification overall, plus adrenal health, and obviously nutrition and food, and how we can support our hormones utilizing food supplementation that's going to benefit our hormones. So that masterclass is exclusive for everybody that joins the summer detox program. Plus you guys are going to get hooked up with a delicious seven day meal plan, my beauty care guide, my snack guide, my hormone questionnaire. You're getting hooked up with all of the things and it's going to really help support you on your hormonal journey. All right. So that's all I've got to share before we dive into our episode. I'm so excited for today's guest, Rachel Melinda, and she talks about intuitive eating. And I know many of us have maybe heard about this before or are maybe unfamiliar with what intuitive eating is all about. And I really think that this is just an important conversation to have because so many of us are feeling consumed and overwhelmed by food. And we just don't really know where to start. And we don't know what it even means to intuitively connect to our own bodies and to choose foods that are actually going to fuel us. I think that many of us are self-sabotaging ourselves with food and we are not appreciating where we are at with our health and with our bodies and potentially our weight. And so this is why we're constantly yo-yo dieting and we constantly have this negative self-talk going on about our bodies and our weight. So this is exactly the conversation that Rachel and I are having today. And Rachel is a Toronto-based certified holistic nutritionist who specializes in disordered and emotional eating. Through the work that she does, she helps women overcome their struggles with food and their body to ultimately find their food freedom, become intuitive eaters, and love the skin they're in. Rachel's approach is non-restrictive and emphasizes the nourishing abilities of whole foods or what she refers to as real ass food. You'll instantly feel at home and comfortable with Rachel's gentle and fun approach to health and self-love. So let's dive into the episode. Hi, Rachel. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. I'm so excited you're here. And I'm so excited to dive into our chat. But before we do, can you share with our audience more about you and what you do?
1: Yeah. So I'm a certified holistic nutritionist and I actually specialize in emotional and disordered eating. So in the work that I do, I help women overcome their struggles with food, their body and themselves to ultimately find their food freedom and make friends with food again, right? Because the reality is, is that a lot of us aren't and it's keeping us stuck in the same cycle of obsessing over food or turning to diets as the solution, right? And I got into that because I started practicing as a general host nutritionist. And I just found that people knew a lot about nutrition already. And they were also very excited to make changes. But when it came to giving them their treatment plan, they wouldn't be able to follow it. And it wasn't because they didn't have self-control or willpower, like that doesn't actually exist in my mind. And it was because I discovered people have a deep-rooted emotional connection to food. So no matter what I was putting on that treatment plan, those emotions would be the driving force of everything, right? So I discovered that until we unlock what's actually driving those behaviors, nothing I put on a treatment plan is going to matter. And that's not to say, like I still really do believe in nutrition, I believe in the healing powers of food, but I don't believe that needs to be the driving force of things, right? So ultimately, for any clients that I work with, I want them to become intuitive eaters and find their food freedom and eat in a way that makes them feel good, that doesn't feel restrictive or make them feel crazy about food.
0: Absolutely, I hear you. I work day in and day out with women who wanna lose weight and have hormonal imbalances and more often than not, our conversations go beyond the food, right? It's so beyond the food on their plate and really helping them to hone in on this mindset and their emotional behaviors around food and how they view their bodies. Mm -hmm. So why do we need to understand what emotions are driving our behaviors before we even bring in nutrition.
1: Right. So just kind of previously like I mentioned, like here's the problem with nutrition sometimes. We're either doing it right, we're being healthy, or we're doing it wrong and we're being unhealthy. No one makes room for the in-between. No one makes room for that flexible zone where maybe we go to a birthday party, we're having a graduation or a wedding, you know, things like that. And no one makes room for the things that happen at those events. And so that in turn turns into an internal conflict of sorts, right? And that leads to a lot of Negative reactive behavior, right? Oh, I ate so bad this weekend, or I need to diet, or I need to clean up my diet as a result, right? But that flexible zone is living. That's life, right? And ultimately, we need to trust that our body's going to, we can trust our body to know that it can come back to eating well and eating in a way that makes us feel good, right? But I say that we need to tackle the emotions first before nutrition because, again, If there's a deep-rooted emotion that's driving those behaviors, then again, nothing on a nutrition plan or treatment plan is really going to matter. Whether that emotion is stress or boredom or sadness, it's always going to win if we don't actually know how to navigate those emotions. So ultimately, we want to move away from using food as a crutch and understand how we're using food. Because a lot of us aren't always using it for fuel, right? So often in my practice, I'll get my clients to ask themselves, if I'm not biologically hungry right now, what other need am I trying to fill? Or what other type of hunger am I trying to fill? And usually it's emotional hunger, right? And emotional hunger could be anything from needing more socialization or needing more fun or needing stress relief, right? So in my practice, I work on alleviating those things first before actually getting to the nutrition component, right? So I really try to marry the two together. Sometimes I feel weird saying, I'm an emotional eating coach and a nutritionist because nutrition is very much like you follow the rules, like you do it this way. Whereas emotional eating is like, follow your heart, do what you love and screw the rules. Right? Right. Mm -hmm.
0: So you've brought up the term intuitive eating yeah. and why do you believe it's the most sustainable eating style?
1: Right. So intuitive eating is really much honoring your body signals that it gives you, right? Which sounds a little hippy dippy, but it's true. Our body knows best. Our body essentially knows better than anyone else right i love intuitive eating specifically because it disregards any dietary plan that's out there right and if you've been on a diet you'll know that i should define what i'm saying by diet when i'm saying diet i mean like a restrictive sort of diet that's like crash diet 21 day fix there are therapeutic diets that maybe are used for more healing purposes and if done correctly it can be effective right but i'm kind of referring to those 21 day fixes So it's ultimately saying, let's push those aside because ultimately they don't know our body best. They don't know that that helps us thrive. And then let's listen to what our body needs. And so, I mean, the benefit of this is if you've done all these diets before, you might actually have an idea of what actually does work for you. So for me, I've toyed around with, say, the Whole30 and paleo diets. And if I were to follow them strictly, I do find them quite restrictive. But I do recognize that eating in that way, generally a bit more grain-free, eating more whole foods, makes me feel best. And so I'm going to strive towards that. But also, like, if I do find that I want quinoa one day, I'm going to allow that, right? Whereas saying that I'm strictly paleo wouldn't allow for that, right? And then we're just kind of denying what our body needs. The people that actually coined intuitive eating, actually, I don't know if they coined it, but they're kind of at, at the head of it right now is Evelyn Tribole and Elise Raich. Raich? I'm probably pronouncing that very wrong. But <laughs> That's okay. We'll put that in the show notes so you guys can find <laughs> it. And they actually say that it is the most sustainable way of eating and for a means of weight management and weight loss as well. Because ultimately, we are getting what our body needs and we're honoring that. And I'll give the example. I mean, recently I was in Colombia where they essentially deep fry everything, which is very hard (laughs) to be a nutritionist and a veggie loving girl. And by day two, I was like, I need a salad, right? Your body knows it's going to have its freak out moment when it's going to be like, I cannot have any more empanadas. Like, give me what it needs, right? (laughs) But that's scary for a lot of people. A lot of people think that they can't trust their body because they think that's what's going to make them lose all control, right? And kind of break loose. But one of the practices in intuitive eating is actually to bring in the one food that you don't allow yourself. So if you don't allow yourself to have, say, ice cream or chips, bring it into your house and have it as much as you want for a week without guilt too, which again can be challenging. But essentially keep eating it until you've remove the novelty from it entirely. Because what we're doing when we're saying, I cannot have chips, I can't bring them into the house, is we're, again, we're putting a novelty around it. And now there's like this fixation where we're obsessing about it all the time, right? And when we actually do have it, we kind of engage in what's called last supper eating. We're kind of eating it like it's the last time we're ever going to have it. And so we go balls to the walls on it, right? Like we do lose all self-control because we're like, I can never have this again. But if you just know that it's there and and you allow yourself to have it when you want and give yourself permission to enjoy all foods, you're going to be able to enjoy it moderately. So, I mean, I do buy chips and sometimes they are healthier ones and sometimes they're not. And I can keep them in my house for weeks because I'm like, you know what, when I want it, I'll have it. But truthfully, my body doesn't want it all the time, right? I should clarify too with intuitive eating that it is saying that you can eat what you want whenever you want type of thing but there's a caveat to that. And that is with regard to fullness and hunger. So always it's keeping us from eating for emotional reasons, right? So it's always checking in. Are you actually eating to satisfy physical, physical hunger right now? And if you're not,
0: then let's explore that. Absolutely. And I can just share from my own experience too, as I'm sure with yourself, like there's always been over these years, this like up and down with nutrition and diets and experimenting And I'm sure it's been through experimenting that's got you to where you are now. But maybe you can give us some insight into more history of like what it used to look like for you in terms of nutrition and what you used to eat to that intuitive eating that you've gotten to now and those steps that you've really had to implement for yourself. Mm -hmm.
1: So I guess like if I bring it back to my personal story. So I had an eating disorder growing up when I was about 13 and That was, I guess, more short lived physically, but the mental effects stuck around for a long time. And I call this my 10 year career in disordered eating. And so it was constantly, I guess, like wishing everything would be better by Monday, right? And so Monday would come and I'm like, all right, let's do this. And I would have my whole plan, I would be eating my source yogurt filled with artificial sweeteners that doesn't really do anything for you. Just eating in a very restrictive way, not finding the joy and pleasure in food, eating because I felt this was the way I had to. I'm trying to think of like what diets were popular back then, like low carb was pretty popular. I remember my one of my friends from university saying she like lost a bunch of weight after summer and I was like, what did you do? She's like, I cut out all oils. And in my mind, I'm like, oh my God, this is what I need to do. And like now knowing what I know, I'm like, oh my God, her brain was probably starving for healthy fats, you know, like we need that to thrive. So, I mean, I was living in a very restrictive manner that would ultimately last maybe a day or two until, again, I was like restricting myself with foods I genuinely wanted and I would binge on them. And that was a big part of my cycle too, just binging on foods. When I was in university, I would eat my roommate's food and make it look all perfect like I hadn't touched it. I don't know if they actually know that yet. So hopefully they don't listen to this, but, (laughs) (laughs) and just kind of losing all control over food because I was denying myself of what I truly needed and probably both emotionally and physically starved. I wasn't getting what I needed. And it wasn't until I moved home and I started, was living with my mom and she was making more of my food. And a lot of that was more whole foods. And for the first time I actually felt satiated and full and I was like, whoa, there's something to this. And that cycle kind of continued. And so, I mean, I've always been a bit of a health nut since a very young age. And I genuinely do enjoy eating healthy foods. But in the past, it wasn't in a healthy way. Whereas now, I genuinely eat foods that I enjoy and that fuel me in the best way possible so I can feel my best. And going to nutrition school helped me to do that even more. I think in nutrition school, that's kind of like a whole different world because I guess I was living in more of that extremist world again. Even though like I was learning how to nourish myself properly, it was still very restrictive. Like I remember thinking, like, my kids will never go trick-or-treating. And I remember coming home to my boyfriend at the time and he was like, All right, I'm putting my foot down. (laughs) Like that is like an integral part of childhood, right? So now I'm like, I find more of a balance in these things. So again, it changes. Like I guess I don't even want to smack a label on my diet, but even recently, right now, I'm kind of struggling with meat, like from an ethical standpoint. So I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna cool it on the beef and pork. And I'm not saying I'm vegetarian now. I'm still eating chicken and I might eat those foods in the future, right? I'm just listening to what my body needs right
0: now. Absolutely. I notice my preferences for food shifts as the seasons change. And so like now that we're heading into the summer and it's warmer, like I just naturally crave more fruit and I crave more salads and like colder foods. And I don't crave that in the fall and in the winter. Like it's so rare of me to want to like open the fridge and just make a cold salad, whereas I just can't get enough of that now. And that's just... So true. Right? And it's just part of listening to those rhythms with the seasons. Absolutely. So if someone knows they're an emotional eater, of course, there's a lot of tuning in and asking questions and of course, getting the support around that. But where can they really start to begin to address this?
1: So I think the first place that we need to start is building an awareness around what's happening, right? Because for a lot of people, it's very much automatic, it's part of the routine, they might not even recognize they're emotionally eating, or they really do. Like I do have people that come to me and say, I am such an emotional eater, but they don't know how to cope otherwise. And that's the key point there is that emotional eating is a coping mechanism for dealing with uncomfortable situations or emotions or stressors that we don't know how to deal with. And Turning to food is one of the fastest ways that we know how to find relief. And it's also one of the most socially acceptable, right? So once we build that awareness around it, I then teach people to start discover, okay, what emotion is actually driving that sort of emotional eating behavior, right? Why are we using food as a crutch in that behavior? And it can be a number of things. It can be too much stress. It can be maybe not enough fun in their life. Maybe they're bored, maybe, you know, and it can be something way more deep rooted than that as well. So once we've discovered that, we'll start establishing new coping mechanisms to cope with that rather than turning to food. So if you are feeling stressed and turning to food, then again, let's ask ourselves that question. We'll start intervening the process and ask yourself, like, if I'm not biologically hungry right now, what other need am I trying to fill? Okay, I'm feeling super stressed. Okay, what can I do to alleviate that? Maybe I need to set aside some time for self-care, or maybe I need to place more boundaries on my work-life balance, that sort of thing, right? Right. Yeah, okay,
0: that's great. <laughs> yeah, and it really is about tuning in. I mean, more than anything, I think so many of us are tuned out mm-hmm. and we're not present with our food and how we're eating and how we're creating even an atmosphere around our food and, you know, quote unquote, diet culture. So I think it's important to spend that time tuning in and asking questions. And I know from my personal experience, of course, being a nutritionist, Rachel, you're a nutritionist and a coach. And so, getting that coaching support is so important. I think that if you know you're an emotional eater, going at it alone is going to be really difficult and challenging. So hiring somebody that can really support you and give you that accountability is really key. Really.
1: Absolutely. Important. Yeah. And again because like I actually had a client say to me they're like what can you teach me that I don't already know now because they just thought they knew everything. They know their body best and they know themselves best, but again when these Habits have become so ingrained in you; it's almost like that's your norm, and you don't actually recognize how things are actually serving you. So, by working with a coach, you can start building that awareness. You can develop strategies. Actually, I was going to talk about mindful eating too. Like that can be a great progression in the emotional eating process. Like bringing more well, mindfulness is awareness, right? Bringing more mindfulness to mealtime, checking in if you're actually hungry, checking in to see if you're actually enjoying your food, and discovering: Do I feel more satiated when I eat foods that I enjoy, or When I don't enjoy them, right? And how does that impact how I feel or how I'm
0: maybe more hungry later on, right? Yeah. Do you encourage your clients to like keep a food journal?
1: I do, yeah. And from a qualitative perspective. So I don't want any numbers. It's purely for like, I'll do it for a week or so. Let's track what you're eating and I'll track everything from how you feel energy wise, how your sleep is, how you feel digestion wise, because all that still matters to me too. It's not only about how your relationship with food is, but I want to make sure that you're feeling really good on top of the emotional aspect too. So are you having any cravings? How did you feel mentally? Like, did you feel less crazy about food? Because that's a huge progression. Did you think about food less or did you think about food more? And that can really help us to discover a lot of things in terms of our eating habits.
0: Yeah, I think writing it down is so powerful because sometimes you just are so mindlessly eating and not paying attention to symptoms or anything. And then you look back on the week of like, oh, wow, like I had so many headaches this week or I was so tired this week and then look at everything I ate. And it just really does give you such really good insight. So it's a great tool. I can definitely share from personal experience. You mentioned about like social and just with my boyfriend, like, okay, he's 6'5", like 230 pounds. He eats a lot. He eats way more than I eat, of course. But I was starting to notice because obviously we live together and we're together all the time that I would eat so much more just because he was eating, right? And so one day I actually had to say to him, like, you know, I eat a lot when I'm with you. And sometimes I'm not even hungry, but you're making food. So I just kind of dive in and go along with it. And so that was a cue for me to just kind of share with him, like, this isn't actually working. So I need your support in that process. And also, I just need to make myself accountable too. That, like, just because you're eating doesn't mean I need to eat too, or doesn't mean I need to eat as much. You know, maybe I just have something smaller. So, just want yeah, to. Yeah, I
1: think that's super common. And I hear that with a lot of people, like in relationships, that they do kind of imitate what their partner's doing, right? Because, like, yeah. oh, they're doing it. They might see that as, like, oh, it's okay for me to eat, or there's food out, so maybe I'll have it too. But it does take, like, actually checking and bringing that awareness back. Am I actually hungry now? And if I'm not, why am I eating? And I mean, there are cases where we are going to eat when we aren't actually hungry and it's not a crime. Right. But like, let's again, like just bring some awareness to how that's going to make us feel. So, I mean, when I'm watching TV, sometimes I'll have a snack, like I do enjoy that, but I'm aware of how it's going to make me feel. I'm I'm not bringing myself past feeling overly full. Right.
0: Right. Right. And I can actually think back to like my ex-boyfriend when we would sit down at night to like watch a movie or watch a show or watch something. Like there was always food around, always. And that just became this typical like routine. Whereas now with my current boyfriend, like that is just right. not the case. Like,
1: and I feel like he would bring in like grass-fed yeah. turkey, coconut chips. Like-
0: <laughs> totally. Because we're both so health conscious. Yeah. Yes. So it's so different. Like that just hasn't become the thing that we do like this is not what we do and sometimes we do it but it's not like the norm i guess you could right say. okay so you're an advocate for real ass food yeah. hashtag real ass food <laughs> <laughs> so what does this mean and how do you bring the nutrition aspect into your practice with the emotional eating aspect
1: so real ass food is really just like a cheeky little term that says eat more real food eat food that comes from the earth and eat foods that make you feel good but Let's not kill ourselves when we have an ice cream or a bag of chips, right? And I really love this because it's very much part of my philosophy. I did wonder if it was actually still productive because essentially, if I'm saying that I'm an advocate of intuitive eating, well, essentially, intuitive eating is all about disregarding what other people have to say about what you eat, right? Essentially, no one should be able to tell you what to eat. And I'm not saying people have to eat real ass food, I'm just saying eat food that makes you feel good, right? And that's usually going to be whole foods. So, I do advocate for that and I bring in the nutrition component by advocating for what I call gentle nutrition. And that essentially is more of like a flexible approach to nutrition. So it's not like the all or nothing mentality where you have to do this or else you're a failure. It's ultimately about honoring your health and your taste buds and feeling good and removing that restrictive layer that makes you feel deprived that might induce food worry and that sort of
0: thing. That's great. Yeah. I'm all for real last food. And Love because it. of you, I've been saying it more lately. I've noticed. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, let's dive into the number on the scale and why solely chasing this number can be really detrimental.
1: Mhm. So, weight loss as a measure of health actually doesn't make sense because there's so many other determining factors of health. There's having balanced hormones, having your stress levels in check, having really good energy levels having healthy relationships, all of those things are so important. And so what happens when we only judge our health by our weight, that number on the scale, is we disregard all of those things, right? And I feel like I give this example all the time, but it always leaves people going, oh, (laughs) so I'm gonna share it. But essentially I was working with a mentor, Jillian Murphy. She's a naturopath and she is the founder of Food Freedom Body Love. So doing similar work as me, she's awesome as well if you wanna follow her. But she had a client that was, doing like a six week boot camp. And so she was checking in with her every single week. And then by the end of it, she asked her like, so how did the boot camp go? And the woman goes, it was great. I feel so strong. I feel confident. I'm sleeping better. My stress levels are in check. I just feel really good. Jillian's like, that's amazing. So are you going to continue it? And the girl goes, no. And Jillian's like, why not? And the girl goes, well, I didn't lose weight. And this is where we go, oh, (laughs) right? So I mean, do you see now when we use weight as the ultimate measure of health, we disregard all those other determining factors of health. When in fact, if we actually use those as a measure of health and strive towards those, our weight would find a happy point, right? It's not all about your weight. And I mean, weight can be very deceptive. Weight loss doesn't actually always represent health. People with illnesses lose weight as a side effect sometimes, right? And that's not healthy, right? So, I mean, in some cases, I mean, I know you work in the weight loss realm, but I like you go about it in a completely different way, right? And in a way that's actually productive, that's still prioritizing those other determining factors of health, which I think is so great.
0: Totally. I mean, there's so many stories I can share, you know, like, just kind of the example that you just shared with, you know, women feeling so great and having all these other great benefits outside of weight loss, but then they're not getting that weight loss result. So like, they just want to stop everything. So like recently I just had a client that was like, well, I'm not losing any more weight. So I think it's time to test my thyroid. And it's like, but if we test your thyroid and everything is fine, it still doesn't take away from the fact that there's all these other issues with like, liver and hormones and all this stress and your sleep issues. Like it means we're not addressing the root causes. And that's Mm -hmm. what we need to really focus on. And I also think so many women are focused on the weight loss versus building strength, building muscle, right? I know you do a lot of CrossFit. Maybe hear about what your workouts look like.
1: Yeah. So I work out four days a week. It's my happy pill in the morning. And that was a big part of my journey too. I mean, I started doing that four and a half years ago and it's the one thing that I've been able to stick with purely because I love it. I go at 6am. I don't love waking up at 530 to go, but by 7am, I'm like bouncing off the wall. So happy and the community is great too. So I love that I can go in and the programming's already set. I don't have to think about anything and everything's different every day. Sometimes it's very cardio heavy. Like today, <laughs> today was a little psycho today. It was, Every minute we had to do 10 burpees, and then in the rest of the minute we had to do snatches. This might be kind of gibberish for non CrossFitters. (laughs) We had like a two minute rest and had to do that 10 times. So, like a little psycho, but by the end of it, you're like, I'm freaking awesome, you know? I'm strong. And like, I mean, there's been a lot of times where maybe I'm doing a lift, a back squat, where I'm like, oh, I can't get this. And then like, I squat like 175, and I'm like, again, I can do anything. Like, it's really helped from a mental standpoint too, like just maybe more mentally strong. Yeah. And I'm not saying that everyone needs to do CrossFit. Truthfully, I believe like find a form of movement and I'm not saying exercise here. I'm saying movement because that can be classified as anything. Find a form of movement that works for you. As long as you're moving your body and it feels good for you, that's all that matters. And that's ultimately what's going to keep you back. It's when we set up those rules where, oh, I have to go four days a week and I have to be 45 minutes and I have to break a sweat. It's those types of goals that lead us kind of falling off the bandwagon, right? That sort of thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I know when I lift weights, I just feel like such a rock star. Totally. (laughs) Yeah. It's such a great feeling. Any better than running on a treadmill. Oh God. Yes. (laughs) You would never catch me doing that. (laughs) Yes. I tell so many of the women that I work with, like not to be afraid of weights and to lift weights. And maybe it means needing to hire a trainer for a few weeks just so that you can get that foundation and Understand like proper form and whatnot, but lifting weights is really like one of the best things you can do for hormones and insulin and body composition. It's just so wonderful. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So you spoke about your recent trip to Colombia, and you shared lots of amazing pictures over on Instagram and all about the local foods that you ate. So I'd be curious if you can kind of share, and you kind of touched on this about needing to eat a salad like two days in into your trip, but you know what that experience is like being able to travel and enjoy food and essentially just be able to let go, but still have those healthy boundaries.
1: Well, traveling for me is very much about the food. Like I plan on my trips based on what am I going to eat? Like, I actually went to <laughs> so Iceland I. Yeah, exactly. Like I went to Iceland last year and it's super expensive there. So my boyfriend and I, we actually brought a lot of our own food. Like we brought hummus. It's only a six hour flight. <laughs> we brought hummus, we brought crackers, we brought beef jerky, nuts and seeds. Like, so that trip wasn't about the food at all. And going into it, I was like, oh, it's kind of sad, but I mean, it's Iceland. It was stunning and so worth it. But yeah, the food is so important for me, like to indulge in the local cuisine and eat like the locals. Like that's such a special part of the travel experience for me. So I really don't set any boundaries or rules. I'm not going to lie. Like I did have, I guess, like the food police kind of chattering in my ear when like it was day two and I'm like, I'm going to have an empanada for breakfast again. And it was actually like, oh, can my body handle that much fried food? But it was also like my body doesn't thrive off of this. Like the first day it was really fun. Like we just found like a little like street side stand and like we're eating with the locals, putting our little salsa on the empanade and squeezing fresh lime. Like it was, it was really good. And actually I said to Randy, I was like, this is the freshest deep fry I've ever had. (laughs) (laughs) Deep fried food could be. But again, by day two, I was like, I don't want this. Like I don't thrive off of this for breakfast. Right. Like my ideal breakfast is like roasted sweet potato eggs and sauteed greens or broccoli so it was a big change but I do listen to that so like I mentioned like by day two I was like okay I need a salad for lunch and I have brought some genuine health protein bars with me kind of for those situations where maybe my belly was off and I just needed something more comforting something that was familiar to me so I think like day two I actually had a protein bar so yeah I'd find that like I would just enjoy the local cuisine and again no guilt The guilt takes away the enjoyment. And when we don't have that enjoyment and that pleasure with food, it actually makes us feel more dissatisfied around food as a result and actually keeps us wanting more. So I really give myself permission to just enjoy all foods. You can see I wrote a blog post of like everything that I ate. I think that's what you were referring to. Oh, awesome. Yeah, which is like a little scary, like being a nutritionist, being like, here's the deep fried empanada, here's the deep fried arepa, here's the beer that I had, (laughs) you know? But then like that's real life for me, right? And you'll see the salads, like you'll see. I didn't get a picture of it, but like I remember having like a delicious like watermelon, basil smoothie sort of thing, right? And so when I felt like I just needed healthy foods that actually make me feel good, we would go and find that. And it was always available, right? Like part of me was like, oh, I should be eating Colombian food right now, but I just had enough at that point, right? So you you just listen to your
0: body and your body knows. For sure. And that's your intuitive eating right there. We're going to Italy in a few months in September. amazing. So it's literally like, going to be such a foodie trip for sure. And, you know, I joke with my boyfriend and I'm like, okay, breakfast is going to be espresso and a chocolate croissant. And then (laughs) lunch is going to be like some pasta and then gelato. And then dinner will be pizza and gelato. And like, I just, you know, I keep joking with him Of course I'm going to eat these things. Like, of course. And that's part of the experience and the quality of food there is so different as well. But at the same time, like you said, I also know, what my body thrives on and there's going to be a lot of greens and I'm still going to stay hydrated and I'll still be taking my supplements and eating fresh fish and all kinds of things but there will also be pizza gelato and pasta for sure exactly
1: <laughs> and I, so you made a good point there like I bring things to ensure that I'm feeling good so I bring my probiotics with me I bring digestive enzymes and ginger things that will help me to maintain my healthy lifestyle as much as possible drinking lots of water right that's Absolutely.
0: so key Absolutely. It's like not everything has to go out the window. Still have that healthy foundation, but you can still have that flexibility within that. Exactly. So I really want to touch on an Instagram post that you shared a while back about a client wanting to lose 10 pounds. And when you asked her why, she said her clothes didn't fit right and she doesn't feel good in them. And you replied to her with, maybe you should buy some clothes that fit. And I love this because it's something that I am constantly repeating over and over in my practice on the daily with women who really just don't need to lose weight and are stuck on what they, for example, used to look like in their 20s instead of focusing on creating something new for their future self. So I thought maybe you can expand on this.
1: Right. So one of my teachings is actually to wear the size that fits you now. If you have your skinny jeans or your size, smaller clothes in the closet that you're like, I'm going to fit into them one day. Well, ask yourself if that's actually serving you, right? More than likely it's not. It's going to be a reminder that you aren't enough as you are now and that you have to change, you know, that sort of thing. And by trying to squeeze into them, it's not comfortable, right? Like it's cutting off your circulation and crushing all your organs. Like it doesn't feel good, but we do know we feel really damn good when we wear clothes that fit us that and that actually make us feel really good. And so that's been a huge part of my teachings, like and beyond the food too. So I actually recommend that people go buy clothes that actually fit them. So like if you're going jeans shopping, which a lot of people tend to hate, go in and bring in three sizes, like the size that you know, you roughly are and some sizes around it. And when you're actually trying them on, just don't look at the size, but see how they feel and walk out with the ones that feel the best. And you're going to find that you naturally carry your head higher when you are wearing clothes that actually feel good, right? It's so key. And also it's a form of self-respect. It's a form of self-love. And it's one of the easiest and quickest ways to transform our thinking around that.
0: Absolutely. I totally agree. And so there's a term that you use and that's called body neutrality. And maybe you can expand on this for us.
1: Right. So I think the concept of body love, which is very popular right now, and body positivity, it can be overwhelming for some people. Because for some people, that might seem like a very lofty goal. I need to love myself right now. like That's challenging. And some days it's going to be harder than others. And so I encourage people to remind themselves that if body love or body positivity isn't accessible to you on any given day, practice body neutrality, which is essentially saying, you don't have to love the crap out of your body right now but let's not hate it either. Let's find a neutral zone. Let's start on a foundation of self-love and respect, right? Because at the very least we need to start there. When we beat ourselves up, that leads to a lot of self-sabotaging behaviors that lead us down that cycle of deprivation and diets and restriction and that sort of thing that ultimately keeps us very stuck, right? But by starting with love, we naturally want to start doing things that make us feel good and that nourish us. And so we need to start with at least that foundation.
0: Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And so I saw you present a few weeks ago at the Ignite Your Life event, and you spoke a lot about the influence of media and you shared like different magazine covers and whatnot. So maybe we can talk about that a bit. Mm -hmm.
1: So in that presentation, I shared like a woman's health magazine cover that essentially said like, lose the weight now or get six pack abs and essentially all these promises that once you look a certain way, everything will be better. Right. And they show the person on the magazine cover, just like looking as happy as a little clam, you know, (laughs) if clams are happy, (laughs) um, I don't, I always make up my own sayings for that. Like I'm the worst with those things. So it's all good. It works. Happy Um, as a clam, happy as a clam. (laughs) But yeah, essentially, it's giving that promise that everything in life is going to be better once you reach a certain point. But the reality is that it's not. And life doesn't work that way. I think we have this concept that if we do X, Y, Z, we will get somewhere, right? But it doesn't always work there. Ultimately, we need to dive deep and figure out what actually makes us feel good, right? Because those six-pack abs probably aren't going to be there when you're 80. And they're probably not going to matter then. So what are you going to do at that point, right? we need to remove the idea that that's the way we need to be, right? And start setting boundaries on when we are being exposed to all these messages, which can be very difficult. Start setting boundaries and putting on more of a filter that helps us to kind of navigate that a bit better, right? Because again, that's causing us to put on, I mentioned this in the presentation, it's causing us to put on the weight goggles again, viewing everything from the standpoint of, will this make me lose weight? And if it doesn't, then are we going to throw it out the window? Like I gave the example of a handful of almonds. So when we have those weight goggles on, when we're evaluating everything on, will this make me lose weight? We would look at those almonds and be like, that's a shitload of calories right now. That's not going to help me lose weight. But if we take off those weight loss goggles and focus on, let's put on our self love and self nourishment goggles, we would look at those almonds and think, wow, these almonds are going to nourish my brain and Help me bring more clarity to my brain and fuel me for hours and cope my cells do so much for us that's actually going to help us thrive as opposed to gaining or losing
0: weight. I love that weight loss goggles or weight goggles. Yeah, I'm totally going to use that one. I think my clients will really appreciate that. Yeah, it's a good visual. (laughs) Yeah, it really, really is. That's great. So what are some steps, maybe three steps that we can share with our audience to help them move forward to more of this body neutrality and intuitive eating steps that they can just really start to implement right now.
1: So, I think discovering a awareness of where you're at, maybe again, keeping that diet diary, keeping a journal of how you actually feel and are your habits serving you? Is your exercise slash movement routine serving you? Is the food eating you're serving you, right? I think that would be number one. Number two would be finding foods that you genuinely enjoy that's such a huge part of this healing process and making friends with food again, because again, a lot of us are eating food because we feel like we have to, right. And that keeps us stuck and ends up feeling deprived as a result. Right. And that's not to say like foods that you love have to be cake and ice cream foods that you love can be a sweet potato pad Thai, which is like probably one of my favorite recipes I've ever I've made created. it. It's, it's, so so fun, right? it's so good. Right. So good. And like, activating those pleasure centers are so important to our overall satiation around food and making friends with food as a result. And then lastly, I want to say something in the realm of like self-love because I do think that is really important and just bringing in a compassionate and flexible approach to your life in general. I think we're very hard on ourselves these days and that we need to be doing all the things. And there's a lot of pressure from maybe social media. You see someone else that also has, Kids and is married and a job is doing all these things, but you're not. You know, that comparison is very much there. But comparison is also the thief of joy. Write that down <laughs> and remember that. But bring in that flexibility. It's going to help us feel less deprived as a result and going to bring more joy back to our life and really focus on what works for us, right? And what feels good for us because what feels good for ourselves is very much going to differ from the person beside us.
0: I love it. That was great. So, awareness finding foods that genuinely you enjoy and self-love and self-compassion. Mm-hmm. That's so great. I love it so much. So I know you have a free guide for our audience to access. Can you share more about that?
1: I do. Yeah. So you can find that over on rachelmmelinda.com. I think we have some show notes for this. Yes. Watch. So the guide It's completely free. It's five steps to make friends with food, ditch diets and fall in love with your body. It's just a really good starting point. If you want to learn more about some of the topics I did discuss today, But it's a great way to kind of dive in and actually get actionable tools to move forward with this, right? And then there's an option there to set up a discovery call with me. I offer those just kind of to give you an opportunity to learn more about what I do, right? And to give me an opportunity to learn about where you're at and to kind of share about how my approach might complement you, right? And to see if that's a good fit. But it is on my website if you do want to pick that up.
0: Awesome! So all of this will be shared in the show notes, and we'll be sure to link up your sweet potato pad Thai as well, because <laughs> it's so delicious. Everyone's definitely got to try it. And so, where can people find you and connect with you? I know you're hanging out online, all kinds I of. I am. Things. I am. So I am Rachel M Melinda, and I say that because
1: there's another Rachel Melinda in the states that stole all my all my handles. Oh no! I, I didn't actually, know that. I actually emailed her, and I was like, "How much do you care about your photography business?" She's like, eh, "I kind of care." I'm like, all right, Rachel and Melinda it is. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest. I'm on rachelmmelinda.com. So yeah, I'm always on Insta stories. You see me dancing with my cat, Duncan, all the time. <laughs> I love it. On food or that sort of thing. So yeah, I'd love to connect with you guys over there
0: awesome. So we will link all of this up in the show notes. Thank you so much, Rachel, for being for here. Having me. My pleasure. It's such an important conversation that I know so many women need to hear. And perhaps it's an episode they need to re-listen to over and over and over again, because it really takes that time to kind of sink in. So thank you so much for sharing all your knowledge and insights.
1: No, my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Awesome. We'll chat soon. What a great interview with Rachel Melinda. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And ladies, I really hope you start to begin your journey with self-love and self-compassion and really start to develop that awareness of where you're at currently with your health and with your weight and find those foods that you genuinely enjoy. This is really about diving in deeper, really doing the deeper work and connecting to your body on a more intuitive level. And sometimes in order for that to happen, it means we really do have to slow down and create the space in our lives for that tuning in to happen. Because when we are so busy and have so many things going on and just on the go, it's really hard to develop that intuitive connection. So if you're looking to connect with Rachel further, head on over to Instagram. You can find her at Rachel M. Melenda, And I will be sure to share the link to her sweet potato pad thai in the show notes. You can head on over to holisticwellness.ca forward slash episode 15 to grab today's show notes. And I'll be sure to also share the link that she has for her free guide. And you guys can access that over on the show notes as well. Thank you again, everybody for tuning in and we'll chat again next week.